Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, I just wanted to mention, our most advanced stealth fighter, loaded with cutting-edge technology that no other country has, one of them, on the USS Carl Vinson, in the South China Sea, slipped off of the deck and sunk into the ocean. According to the Daily Mail, and I've not seen this anywhere else, race to beat China to recover $100 million U.S. F-35 stealth fighter from bottom of South China Sea after it crash-landed on aircraft carrier USS Carl Vinson. I wouldn't say crash-landed, but in any event... It slipped off the deck and fell into the ocean. Fierce secret technology from America's most advanced jet can fall into enemy hands. The Navy said the stealth fighter subsequently fell into the water with the landing mishap. It is packed with the latest technology and advances in radar deflecting design. It's currently in the South China China Sea taking part in exercises. The pilot Safely ejected, rescued by helicopter. Seven were injured, three required evacuation. Now, it leaves the Navy, they write, with a complex salvage operation if it is to avoid its most sophisticated warplane falling into Chinese hands. Now, I must tell you, I am confounded here. Obviously, the Navy knows exactly where this jet fell into the ocean, right, Mr. Producer? 
Is there a reason why they don't effectively cordon off the area with other ships or or monitor the area like close up um, in order to ensure that uh, that in fact the Chinese don't get to it? It carries an arrestor hook to help it land on aircraft carriers and the expanded wingspan needed to be launched by catapult. As well as its radar avoiding design, it is crammed with sensors that beam updates directly to the pilot's helmet. Last year, Britain appealed to the U.S. for help in finding an F-35B Lightning II that toppled from His Majesty's Queen Elizabeth into the Mediterranean during a failed takeoff. Fearing that Russia would try to salvage the jet and copy the technology, it was retrieved last month during a secret operation. U.S. Navy jet was part of a deployment designed to bolster American presence near Taiwan after China had buzzed the island's airspace. Let's see here. So that's, that's, that's the bottom line. The Pentagon said two U.S. Navy carrier strike groups led by the U.S. Carl Vinson and the U.S. Abraham Lincoln began operations in the South China Sea on Sunday. They entered the disputed sea for training as Taiwan reported a new Chinese Air Force incursion at the top of the waterway. The Vincent is supported by more than 5,000 crew members, 65 fixed and rotary wing aircraft. And uh, that's the situation. Landing gear on the jet failed to extend, but instead of ejecting, the pilot decided to land the U.S.-made aircraft in an air base on its belly. That's another instance uh, where there was a problem. We better hope to God they don't get this jet. And we better do everything humanly possible to make sure they don't get this jet. Or the Communist Chinese Air Force, by stealing our technology, will be able to advance its technology by 30 years without having invented a damn thing. And it is the technological edge that keeps us ahead of the enemy. So let us hope that's done, and done right, and done fast. We've talked about on this program, probably more than any other program, on Levin TV and on my Fox show, about the electrical grid. And how it is exposed to the enemy. Russia knows that our electrical grid is exposed. A cyber attack on the electrical grid can shut it down can shut it down. The communist Chinese have killer satellites that can take our our satellites out and blind our military. The GPS systems that are used, including by the infantry in the field. We've known this for a long time, which is exactly why President Trump started the Space Force given the bureaucracy at the Air Force, and I don't mean the Air Force pilots and personnel, I mean at the top, and the resistance there. So he broke it off so, so it could uh, direct its attention full-time every day to the battle in space, because the communist Chinese are there first. Very, very serious times.
Very serious. The uh, people say, why, why do we care about Ukraine? A lot of people say this. Why do we care about Ukraine? I think to myself, we're not really that stupid, are we? That we don't understand why we care about it? I spent a lot of time on that yesterday, as you know. One of the reasons I said yesterday, and I believe this, is that Putin isn't going to stop in the Ukraine. There are four NATO countries that share a border with Ukraine. And what else will happen? Well, our other enemies, again, will see that, that we're incapable of doing anything. And they will move. They will move. And uh, these problems are going to start to pile up. And get worse and worse. What else will happen? Russia itself will be further motivated to take action. So doing nothing doesn't just mean that there's no cost. Doing nothing means there's severe cost. It gets bigger and broader and deeper, as we've seen throughout not just world history, but our own history. I'm not a military expert, but what what should we do? I would arm up Ukraine as much as possible. We should have been doing that a long time ago. And of course, the the events, the provocative events that led up to this point with the Biden administration showing appeasement, whether it's that oil pipeline or surrendering basically on the uh, nuclear arsenal that, that Putin has and on and on and on, or just the, the installment of Biden looking at him, taking the measure of the man, could be provocative enough. But there's a lot of consequences that result from these events. A lot of consequences that result. So it's not something we can just blow off. All right, there's other things I want to get into. Just a couple of quick things. This group, Media Matters, when I mentioned Soros in the context of the Nazis the other night, they went nuts, didn't they, Mr. Producer? They just flipped out. It was all hands on deck because that's their sugar daddy. It's the sugar daddy of the Democrat Party. It's the sugar daddy of all the radical left American Marxists, NGOs, and other charitable organizations. And so they they go on immediate attack. That Levin said Soros assisted the Nazis. I only took Soros' own words. The interview was 60 Minutes several years ago. He said he had no, no compunction, no regrets about what he did. His father was a well-to-do, fairly wealthy, I believe, attorney there in Hungary. He had a, uh, a Nazi who was uh, a Christian, adopt, uh, at least born a Christian, act like he adopted his son, who they would then claim was Christian, and he would go door-to-door on behalf of the Nazis and steal the property of, uh, of the Soros neighbors and others. 
He was asked if he had any regrets about it. He said no. He was asked pretty much when you think back on this, you know, again, my language, does it upset you? Pretty much he said no. How dare I reference him in context with the Nazis, Mr. Producer? But that really wasn't the point of the entire discussion. And Media Matters knows it, but they don't care. They'll defend Soros and they'll smear anybody who dares to bring up his past. And how he did in fact work with his phony father in the taking of property from Jews. I assume that helped the Nazis. Why else do it? They've also defended Black Lives Matter. We talked about that. The Black Lives Matter chapter in Washington, D.C. said, why, why do we call cops who are shot heroic? Media managers didn't have a problem with that. They don't have a problem with that. So that's the organization that so much of the media look at. They know they're filled with reprobate, uh, reprobates and miscreants and malcontents. They know they're an operation of the radical Marxist left in this country, and they shouldn't have a non-profit, in my view, uh, tax designation. But they do. But it doesn't matter. They're not investigated. They're not charged. Are they? Lots more. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. My friends, I know you love freedom and want to defend it. And I know you love the Constitution. Well, so do I. And it's the same with Hillsdale College, the best liberal arts college in America. Hillsdale's mission is pursuing truth and defending liberty. It gives its undergraduate and graduate students the best education. And it is working to make this education available to all. But today, I want to tell you about Hillsdale's free monthly speech digest of liberty. It's called Imprimus. Over 6 million households and businesses receive Imprimus for free every month. And you can join them by subscribing at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who love freedom make it possible for Hillsdale to send Imprimus to you for free. Imprimus is one of my favorite publications. It's short, smart, useful, and fun. Start receiving your own free copy of this great digest of liberty. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. You know, folks, watching watching the so-called medical bureaucracy in Washington, D.C., is truly a disgusting spectacle. How politicized it is, how power-hungry it is, how centralized it is, how cut off from the cutting-edge modern research it is, how it demands complete control, how it rejects individual liberty, competition of ideas, which is how you get scientific solutions. We're basically talking about a massive bureaucracy with tons of red tape that is parasitical. It feeds off the private sector. And it's constantly fed money, 
and power, wants to get into gun control and all that sort of thing. I told you, maybe it's eight weeks now, six weeks at least, despite getting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, despite getting the booster, I got this Wuhan China virus. And the first day, I was actually quite ill. Around the state of Florida, they had approximately two dozen facilities set up by Governor DeSantis, but run by the private sector, in which you get the monoclonal antibodies, that is, shots, as a therapeutic after the fact. So we're talking, about, we're talking here mostly about people who have been vaccinated and yet still get this lousy virus. I also told you the next day I felt much better, and then by day three and four, I was perfectly fine. And I'm not alone. Florida has the data. We don't need a trial, an FDA trial. Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, I believe, have benefited mightily from this monoclonal antibody. This treatment. There's almost no downside to this. None. The Biden administration, constantly incompetent and yet always looking to exploit politically, have been trashing DeSantis and Abbott since they came into power because they wouldn't go along with this this truly iron-fisted totalitarian collection of agencies and longtime bureaucrats. So DeSantis has his own medical experts. They also get advice from people outside government, people who are in these universities and so forth, in private practice. And so he was offering monoclonal to his citizens. And it was working so well that Biden stepped in and decided the federal government would control its distribution and slashed the amount that Florida would get. DeSantis sued and he objected to what they were doing. Sued and objected. And so now, they cut it off. Suddenly, without warning, the Biden administration and the FDA cut it off completely. I want to pursue this when we return. My friends, I know you love freedom and want to defend it. And I know you love the Constitution. Well, so do I. And it's the same with Hillsdale College, the best liberal arts college in America. Hillsdale's mission is pursuing truth and defending liberty. It gives its undergraduate and graduate students the best education, and it is working to make this education available to all. But today, I want to tell you about Hillsdale's free monthly speech digest of liberty. It's called Imprimus. Over 6 million households and businesses receive Imprimus for free every month, and you can join them by subscribing at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who love free to make it possible for Hillsdale to send Imprimus to you for free. And Primus is one of my favorite publications. It's short, smart, useful, and fun. 
Start receiving your own free copy of this great Digest of Liberty. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. This may amaze some people. All medical knowledge does not reside in a couple of buildings in and around Washington, D.C. The NIH, the FDA, HHS, and so forth. All medical knowledge does not reside in one man, Anthony Fauci. We have many, many brilliant men and women working the front lines of medical science each and every day. In universities and colleges throughout America. In pharmaceutical companies and other companies throughout America. And yet you never hear from them unless you're watching the Fox News channel or you're listening to conservative talk radio. It's always Fauci all the time. And yet no matter how many times people write the briefs showing how he has been wrong, how he has lied, how he's flip-flopped, it doesn't seem to matter. He's the man. It's like the old Soviet Union, Stalin, relying on ideology for food, for agriculture, for harvesting. What happens? People starve to death. Fauci hasn't actually practiced medicine in half a century. God knows how many of the people in the upper echelons of this infectious disease operation, or the FDA, or anywhere in the NIH, have practiced medicine or worked in a lab. As I say, this is a big country with a lot of smart people. And yet here we have the FDA recklessly, based on one half-assed study, and these studies are as good as you put into them, just cuts Florida off. Now, again, politically, first Biden takes control of the, of the uh, antibodies, redistributes them to slash the amount that Florida gets, because Florida's was the first and most aggressive to make them available. Based on the research and the studies and the knowledge of Florida's Surgeon General, Florida's experts, and the information that Florida has gleaned from around the country and around the world in terms of scientific studies and data and statistics. The people who use monoclonal antibodies are overwhelmingly the people who've already been vaccinated. The people who already listen to Fauci and Biden already got boosters. What are we going to do? Get boosters for the rest of our lives? You get boosters for the rest of your lives. I'm going to become an anti-vaxxer because there's a point at which this stuff is extremely dangerous to your immune system. And how many, how many trials have been run with endless boosters from any of these vaccines? Answer, none. 
In that respect, you're all guinea pigs. Look what happened in Israel. They're on booster number two. After Pfizer, two shots, then a booster, now another booster. That's four shots. And they had a massive outbreak two weeks ago. And so DeSantis says, look, I want to deal with, and he said it on my program two Sundays ago, I want to deal with what happens once people get this. At which point, if they've been vaccinated, it didn't help them in that regard, that is from not getting it. And number two, if they weren't vaccinated, they too can use the monoclonal antibody treatments. Now, here's what DeSantis said today. I can't play it all, but part of it. Cut one, go. Early this morning, uh, thousands of Floridians woke up to news that their appointments to get treatment for COVID-19 infection uh, were canceled by the Biden administration, which revoked, outright revoked authorization for two very popular monoclonal antibody treatments that the state of Florida really pioneered over the summer and that we've worked hard to make available uh, to our residents uh, who needed treatment. Mind you, the number of the people that seek this treatment are overwhelmingly people that have been vaccinated, um, but yet they're still infected and many of them are high risk. Now, they are relying on revoking this and pulling the rug out from under people on a single non-peer-reviewed, non-clinical study that was actually done by a consultant for a rival company to the other two monoclonal antibody treatments. This is not based on a clinical trial. This is not even peer-reviewed. And so this is something that they claim shouldn't be used because we have Omicron. And what we would say in Florida is we have had people use it and we've had good results. It's not 100%. We understand that. Uh, But you also don't even know when someone goes in, whether it's Omicron or still the Delta. Yes, mostly in Florida, it's going to be Omicron at this point. Uh, But it's really a reckless decision to be able to take this option away from patients. And it is reckless. It's disgusting. It's appalling. They're even taking, you know, over-the-counter drugs away. Hydroxy became controversial. And others became controversial that are often used, been used a billion times. It seems like this administration doesn't want to have available for your use therapeutics. Has it developed any? I know in my own case that this worked. It may not work in every case. They have no scientific study, no legitimate study to back up their assertion. None. None. So who at the FDA did this? The bureaucrats. Who are the bureaucrats? We don't know. Now this FDA, this infectious disease organization that this Fauci runs, NIH, they have been wrong. Their decisions have cost Americans their lives. The politicians that have followed what these people have told them and have dictated to their citizens. We know about the deaths that have occurred in this country as a result of that. We know that they're putting in place unconstitutional and illegal mandates. 
that virtually every court that hears these cases rejects. And they still keep going on TV like they're the experts. Like they're the experts. So if you go and get vaccinated, and you still get it, then what? Then what? Florida had an answer. Imperfect, but very good. So here's Fauci on MSNBC today. There he is, swinging into action. How does this man have time to study anything? He doesn't. He's covering up his own fingerprints and DNA all over the Wuhan China lab. And don't tell me I can't call it the Wuhan China lab. We'll have Peter Schweitzer here in hour three. I'm not going to allow these, these individuals and in politics in the culture who've been paid off by the communist Chinese or the organizations have to tell us what we can and cannot say. If they want to defend a genocidal regime, that's up to them. I'll be damned if I'm going to do that. So here's Fauci. Cut to go. Doctor, the FDA revoked the emergency use authorization for Regeneron and Eli Lilly COVID-19 antibody treatments, saying they're unlikely to work against Omicron. After the decision, Florida announced it's closing its monoclonal antibody sites. Talk to us about that decision. What about people who, who have COVID but, but not Omicron? Well, if you look in the United States, about 99% of the isolates are Omicron. So it would be extremely unusual for someone to still have a lingering Delta infection right now. So why now. are we wearing masks? Since Omicron is not deadly, it's not deadly. For the overwhelming majority of people, that is the vast majority of the population, you get flu-like symptoms. So a month ago when Omicron was breaking out, you had an Israeli scientist say, Look, that means we're getting over Delta and the underlying virus. We're coming out of this. And Omicron is doing it. How come they didn't embrace that, Israeli scientists? How come they never embrace the cutting-edge scientists and experts from around the world? When the South African experts said, this is not a killer. This is a variant that's actually going to help. And they still shut down borders, and they still demanded that everybody get vaccinated. Everybody get vaccinated. We, we got mandates. We got vaccine, vaccine cards. Yet people with vaccine cards who vote but don't have to show their driver's license that they're voting legitimately. I mean, think about what they're doing to us, twisting our minds into pretzels here. Well, if the vast majority of cases are Omicron, why are you pushing the vaccines? Why are you pushing the masks? And of all people, little kids who are the least likely to get any of it. They don't even make any sense anymore. Not that they ever did. Go ahead. I think a month or two ago that was different when Omicron was replacing Delta. But now if you look at the ice. When Omicron was replacing Delta, you never said that. I said it here thanks to this guy in Israel who's looked at a hell of a lot more cases and patients and data than you have, Fauci. 
He's the one who first said that. Tiny little country. And we all have to listen to Fauci, for God's sakes. Go ahead. Country, the very, very high, I mean, literally close to 100% of the isolates now are Omicron. And that's the reason why the FDA made that decision, since these two monoclonal antibodies don't work against Omicron. How do you know? Where's your study? Like the governor of Florida said, this guy's sharp, DeSantis. He's not like Kemp in Georgia. This guy is smart. He studies the data at night, DeSantis. How do I know? Because I asked him. His people get all the information that they can. That's how he makes his decisions. He's not like Biden sitting there chewing on his gum and then wondering why his mouth hurts. Go ahead not be a good idea to administer to anyone because all you'll have is the risk of a potential adverse effect with essentially no benefit. And what's the great risk? There is none. There is none. These are antibodies. They're not chemical toxins. What's the great risk? There is none. So here we go again. Here we go again. We're going to follow Fauci right off the cliff. Is that it? Get vaccinated and wear the mask. Even though he just, did he not just say, America, that virtually 100% of the cases are Omicron? Didn't he say that, Rich? Is this vaccine created for Omicron, Rich? No. No, it's not. Makes no sense. None of this makes any sense whatsoever. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. My friends, I know you love freedom and want to defend it. And I know you love the Constitution. Well, so do I. And it's the same with Hillsdale College, the best liberal arts college in America. Hillsdale's mission is pursuing truth and defending liberty. It gives its undergraduate and graduate students the best education, and it is working to make this education available to all. But today, I want to tell you about Hillsdale's free monthly speech digest of liberty. It's called Imprimus. Over 6 million households and businesses receive Imprimus for free every month, and you can join them by subscribing at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who love free to make it possible for Hillsdale to send Imprimus to you for free. And Primus is one of my favorite publications. It's short, smart, useful, and fun. Start receiving your own free copy of this great digest of liberty. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. It just, uh, it breaks your heart to watch how these people... Once set loose, how they're destructive. It really does. Whether it's politicians or these so-called experts and bureaucracy. Look what's happened in this country in the last year. Look what's happened. And the media embrace these people. They embrace Fauci. They give him a megaphone. 
all the time, anytime he wants it. When you have Rand Paul that takes this guy on. And Rand Paul's been right about everything from the, from the beginning with respect to Fauci. They just treat it like a game. It's not a game. It's not a game. Our government helped to fund the production of a deadly virus through a genocidal regime. And I am convinced now, others have said it, I am convinced that they were preparing this for military reasons or other reasons, the communist Chinese. Mark, can you prove that? I certainly would like an opportunity. A lot of people would, but the communist Chinese won't, anybody let, won't let anybody near the place. Can I prove it? Can I prove it? Do they understand what this regime is? Oh, I know NBC's making a fortune with exclusives on the Olympics. I know the NBA and the NFL are making a fortune. And as you will see in Hour 3, if you didn't watch Life, Liberty, and Levin, and I sure as hell hope you did, we're going to have Peter Schweitzer here. This government, there's like a subterranean government. All paid off by the communist Chinese, Republicans and Democrats, mostly Democrats, but Republicans too. One institution after another, one corporation after another, one media outlet after another, one entertainment outlet after another. The culture. The culture. Academia. That's why the bricks and the stones from the pyramids fell on Donald Trump's head when he dared to call it the China virus. Because China didn't want to call it the China virus. And all of its surrogates in the United States said, I no, don't call it the China. You can call it the Spanish flu. You get, But no China virus. Why? It's a, it's a, it's a Hitlerian uh, 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 regime. No, no, no. Can't call it the China virus. I shall return. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, You know, uh, I'll meet the depressed. Um, talk schmuck, t- uh, I got to watch my, li- my tongue with this. This is uh, schmuck Todd, I guess. Um... Did you notice he was wearing a tie and a jacket, Mr. Producer? Yeah. Looked like he should be selling popcorn at a movie theater, but that's just me, and I think those guys are hard workers, as a matter of fact. Butter, yes or no? Imagine doing that for 12 hours, Mr. Producer, on the minimum wage. Uh, but anyway, uh, Chuck Todd, they interviewed Georgia voters to find out what they have to say. Cut six, go. 
the whole world is just, it's a mess. With the coming midterms likely a referendum on President Biden, voters are in a sour mood. This week I traveled to Georgia, the state that clinched control of the Senate for Democrats. I think there's still a lot of separation, a lot of divide. We're kind of on a tipping point of polarization. I wish we could just shut up and like agree and listen to each other. Asked to describe America in their own words in our NBC News poll, voters use the words divided, negative, lost, bad, and downhill. I think it's just getting harder to live that American dream. You seem to be a little bit disappointed. I am. The majority of his voting block, I feel that he's ignored us. Do you think that President Biden has fought hard enough for the priorities of black voters? I do not. America's divided. I wonder why. Because over on MSNBC, the sister station of NBC, MSNBC, which Chuck Todd appears on repeatedly, so does Michael Eric Dyson. Professor Michael Eric Dyson. And his initials spell backward DEM, D-E-M. But he's worse than that. He's a radical kook. American Marxist, in my humble opinion. You wonder why America's divided. Well, maybe because they give kooks, like Meddem, Professor Michael Eric Dyson a platform. Here he is on Saturday. Could they go? It is a shame and uh, atrocious that 13% of Republicans believe that the election was stolen. This is the trumpeting of a Trump who refuses to accept the fact that he lost fair and square. And so the big lie has been amplified in states even that Mr. Trump went after. When you think about Arizona or Georgia or even in Pennsylvania, uh, these Republican strongholds, at least in terms of the officials there, said, no, we are not the ones who engaged in stratagems of, of suppression and that the vote couldn't be trusted. But here we find out as soon as the votes have been certified and democracy took place in a reasonable fashion, they turn around to introduce laws that will that, that will powerfully suppress the vote of African-American people. And we know, for instance, among many Republicans, they have the same outlook that Mitch McConnell does. He said that African-Americans vote in the same numbers that Americans do. Wait a minute. When were we part of a different nation? When were black people part of an other congregation of voices who were outside of the, the, the precincts and providence of American democracy? We know that there is a sense of black people as the other. And these stratagems, you know, deployed by Republicans reveal their beliefs essentially about black citizenship not being legitimate got that folks why all the division why all the hatred why all the race baiting well you just heard it here you just heard it here now this guy in many ways is intellectually schizophrenic On the one hand, he talks about America as a country worth saving, as a country that, that black people belong to. On the other hand, he talks about a white-dominant American society. He embraces critical race theory, a society that needs to be turned inside out, upside down, and all around. In other words, he's incoherent, he's incomprehensible. Not because he says stratagem rather than strategies. 
but because he's incomprehensible. Whether he uses five syllables in a word or one. Why? Why the division? Why the division, Professor? Meanwhile, like me, the depressed, over there at, uh, what do they call that? Deface the Nation. They had voters on to... Isn't it amazing, Mr. Producer, that both of these Sunday shows on the same Sunday, at the same time, had the same format? Is that not amazing? It's like one heard that the other is going to actually talk to the people. Well, we want to be a network of the people, too. Here we are with Margaret Brennan. Who's she? I don't know, but she runs this Meet the Depressed. They talk to voters, too. Cut seven, go. We are a year into unified Democratic control of the House, of the Senate, of the executive branch. Do of you the media. Feel- go ahead differently do you feel that washington understands what all of you are experiencing out there beth is shaking her head no i mean so many of you are but have you always felt that way or is there a new level of sort of skepticism about washington yeah i think so i i really had such high hopes for this administration when they came in and um it's just been one disaster after another. Um, Afghanistan, inflation, take your pick. I just don't understand. I thought this was going to be a president for the people, of the people. And I just feel like it's one, you know, hurdle after another that we all have to climb. Chelsea, I saw you raise your hand. I do agree that fundamentally for me, nothing has changed. I think that I am more skeptical now my life has not improved COVID has not improved biden has not you know stuck to any of his promises um i don't think any anyone in washington is really for working people and that has been mm-hmm. so clear this year hmm. wow so why are the media doing this ladies and gentlemen the week before they weren't saying these things why are the media doing this they're not going to stick to this, folks. Remember January 6th, how they, how they actually celebrated it? Remember that? They're not going to stick to this. They throw this out now and then, as I said, to try and show we're very balanced here, you know. We're very balanced. Do you hear the helicopter coming, Mr. Producer? Does anybody hear it? Do you hear it? Listen, everybody. They're coming to get us. The black helicopters are coming to get us. Now what it really is, is I live on the Potomac River. And the helicopters tend to follow the Potomac River, which is smart. (coughs) Including military helicopters. Including when Joe decides to go to Camp David. But he keeps forgetting Camp, what is it called? Daniel? uh, Davis? uh, Dennis? What is it? Anyway, so, uh, so there you have it. Of course the American people are unhappy. Their lives are not going to improve while he's at the helm. And they look for boogeymen to blame all the time. All the time. And of course, the Republicans and private sector, and mostly you. Remember how Biden was blaming you? 
The way Carter blamed you? Oh, yes. The way Fauci blames you? If the people would just listen to me. Just listen to me. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Ladies and gentlemen, Literally millions of earners have crossed, the, have crossed our border, and we don't know who they are. Literally millions. You have people in most of your communities, the government doesn't even know who they are. They don't know their backgrounds, they don't know their medical situation. They don't have a database on them, but they have all that on you. The only entity really covering what's going on on the border, in addition to new media entities, is Fox. And one reporter in particular, Bill Melligan. And Bill Melligan, M-E-L-U-G-I-N, is a fantastic reporter. I don't know him, I've never spoken to him, but he's a fantastic reporter. Fox News reporter, this is right scoop, Bill Melligan catches Biden administration mass-releasing illegals that are supposed to be deported. We are lied to constantly and repeatedly by this low-IQ, unhinged, phony president and the people with whom he surrounds himself. Fox News reporter Bill Mulligan caught the Biden administration transporting and mass-releasing single-adult illegals, most of whom are men, by the way, into the country, even though the law says they must be deported immediately. He tweeted, We witnessed the federal government mass-releasing single-adult migrants, almost all men, at a parking garage in Brownsville, Texas. Taxi cabs were then called for them. We followed the cabs to Harlington Airport, where the migrants were dropped off to get on flights around the United States. According to Mulligan, this violates Title 42 and CBP, so they had nothing to do with it. ICE is the agency releasing these illegals, so they're violating federal law, and they don't care. Well, they not only don't care, they know they're doing it. What do you think of that? Now, 
More from Fox. Large numbers of single adult illegal immigrants are being released, transported to the U.S. and Texas via a small unmarked office in a parking lot. Video caught by Fox News on Sunday shows. Fox News footage shows several federally contracted buses dropping off dozens of mostly male migrants at a parking garage in Brownsville, Texas. Black tarps were set up with a makeshift sign said Border Patrol drop-off above it. Fox witnessed men go into a small, unmarked office, then reemerge moments later as multiple taxi cabs then showed up to collect the migrants. They were then shuttled off to nearby Harlingen Airport. There were no children or migrant families among the groups. Several of the migrants told Fox they crossed illegally that morning, paying approximately two grand per person to cartel smugglers. Now they're supposed to be deported. Statement to Fox News, the city of Brownsville said its Office of Emergency Management through FEMA works to facilitate the, quote, transfer of these migrants to their final destination by allowing them to use services to contact their families, NGOs, or a taxi cab. They should be removed. Confirmed the parking garage serves as a staging area for migrants to be given travel information to, quote, facilitate their transfer to their final destinations, unquote. Folks, they're settling and resettling these people all throughout the United States. We don't know who they are. They're in no database. We don't know the situation at all. Of course, those coming across include murderers and rapists, child predators, I mean, this to, to, to fail to represent the American people in their best century is just incredible. The reason you have an entire system set up is for the very reason that you're supposed to be able to track who's coming, why they're coming, and if they're a net positive to your society. Customs and Border Protection said its agency was not involved in the release. An Immigration and Customs Enforcement source, ICE, who viewed the footage, said they believed it was an ICE release. No, it's a Biden release. The development comes just as CBP officially released its December border numbers, showing 178,840 encounters in December. A slight increase over November, but significantly higher than 73,994 encountered in December 2020. Biden just doesn't care. He doesn't care anymore. He doesn't care at all. Big deal, he's thinking. What do I care? I'm getting my money. The communist Chinese are taking care of my family. What do I care? No big deal. The Democrat Party doesn't care. This is their new base. But you notice, Hispanic Americans who've been here, even relatively recently, they do care. And they care a lot. They do care, and they care a lot. And all of a sudden, you see how they're voting. And the closer they are to the problem, the more they're voting Republican. And if the Republicans finally take over some piece of this government, they need to perform and take serious steps to take on this fraud in the Oval Office. They must. Because who else is going to do it if they don't? 
Nobody. Well, governors, but you, we, we need people at the federal level. It is my deepest hope that if the Republicans win a smashing victory in 2022 and take back the House and perhaps the Senate, that we don't have the same debacle we had with John Boehner and, again, Mitch McConnell, that they turn on the base, they turn on the Trump people, they turn on the Reaganites, they turn on the conservatives, that is, the non-establishment, non-Bush, non-Cheney base. That they try and, and take these new recruits and assimilate them into the, all the bad habits of Washington, D.C. That's exactly what McConnell and Boehner have done. That's what they do. It better not happen this time. We're on to this. We're on to this. This is our country. This is our economic system. This is our America. And it doesn't belong to the lobbyists. Well, it may right now, but it better not continue. Doesn't belong to the bureaucrats. Doesn't belong to the Democrats, the American Marxists. Belongs to us, we the people. Well, you know, uh, the schools and the classroom, they don't belong to the parents and the citizenry general. They sure as hell do. They try and take your guns, they try to take your school, they try and take your, your property in the form of confiscatory taxes. They try and take your speech and your freedom of association and your right to protest. I can count all the violent riots day after day after day that took place in the summer of 2020 by elements associated with Biden, the Democrat Party, and promoted by the media. Hundreds. You can't count hundreds with Republicans, conservatives, patriots. They can talk about January 6th. What other date do they want to talk about? None. Because there is no other date. I'll be right back. America's most powerful conservative voice, The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. You know, folks, we have a lot of a little positive news to report to you tonight. Don't think I've forgotten about Convention of States. I have not forgotten about Convention of States. And we have the head muckety-muck of Convention of States, my dear friend Mark Meckler, to report to us. Mark, how are you, my friend? Man, it's a good day for liberty, Mark. I'm doing very well, thank you. It's a great day. Tell everybody what's going on. Well, so as you know, we've been laboring out there in the trenches for years now, working on passing Convention of States resolutions around the country. And today we had an incredible victory the Wisconsin Senate voted and passed the Convention of States resolution. We had already passed the Assembly. So that becomes legislature number 16, number 16 in the books to approve the Convention of States resolution. What state's next? Well, we had another victory today. I honestly didn't expect it to happen today. It really happened very quickly. And South Dakota, at 7.30 this morning, they started their hearing, packed the hearing room in South Dakota with patriots. 
It went straight to the floor. There's no delay in South Dakota. And today we passed the South Dakota House. So South Dakota's looking really good. But that's not all. Nebraska's on the slate. Nebraska being the only unicameral legislature in the country. They have a Senate, not a House. And we've gone through two votes there. It's a three-vote process. We expect to have our third vote by the end of the week in Nebraska. And that would make Nebraska state number 17. And we would cross the halfway mark. What would you like this very patriotic and intelligent audience that supports largely convention of states to do with respect to Nebraska if Nebraska has this key vote this week? What can we do? Yeah, look, if you're in Nebraska, then what you want to do is you you want to call your senator and you want to let them know that you're a supporter of convention of states. You want it to happen. And if they do that, then that puts them on record puts a little bit of extra pressure on their senators. I think the same thing can be said. We're going to go over to the Senate in South Dakota. It's going to be a tight vote over there. If they're in South Dakota, they should call their senators there. And and by the way, Mark, we're close. And also in South Carolina, we've passed one house. We've already passed the House of Representatives there, and we'll be moving in the Senate shortly. So if you're in South Carolina, call your senator. Let them know that you're in support. Uh, This is moving all over the country right now. The, The momentum is just extraordinary. Because if not now, when, Mark Meckler? This is really the only institutional solution. Uh, and, the, and the framers talked about this. They talked about this as, as a critical process for avoiding violence. That when the people really need to speak up and stand up, this is the way they're supposed to do it. And um, this has pretty much been done under the radar. So once the left gets a little bit more educated about this, they're going to go crazy, as they always do. So it's important. we got three <laughs> states, you said, on the hook here. Nebraska's up next. Idaho's close. South Carolina's no, close. No, South, oh, Nebraska. What's that? South, South Dakota, Dakota, I'm sorry. Ne- yeah. Yep, yep. And then South Carolina, I think. Those are the next three. So uh, this is very, very important, and this is very doable. And uh, You know, Mark, you have, i got, I got to tell you a story, because yeah. I, I was on the floor of Today in Iowa, I was personally in Iowa, in the legislature, one of our sponsors, Representative Wills, was walking me through the House of Representatives. He stopped to drop something off on his desk. They don't have offices, just desks on the floor of the legislature. And on his desk, he had a book, and that book was Liberty Amendments. And literally, he said, you're the guy. You're the guy that caught him on this. He's my sponsor there. If this happens there, it's because of him. And it's because he read your book, and that inspired him to understand that the solution was Article 5. You know, Mark Meckler, let's tell everybody, early on, you and I both opposed this process. Then you looked into it. Uh, I didn't know you were looking into it. I started to write a book against it, and I said, wait a minute. Why am I against this? And then I reversed course, and I wrote a book strongly in support of it. And then... Virtually simultaneously, you form this organization, and this book comes out with any with now any discussion between us. Correct? Yeah, that's correct. You know, Mark, I remember when we had the discussion about it, and you had written the book, and we had me and Mike Ferris had started the organization, and I remember telling you this, and there was a long pause, and you said, "That's not coincidence. That's providence." And I really believe it is because this movement required the intellectual foundation that you provided with the Liberty Amendments. And then it required a bunch of grassroots activism. And obviously, that's what I know how to do, what Mike Ferris knew how to do with the homeschool movement. Those kind of things. We look at these pivot points in history. God puts his hand on things. And I'm convinced that was a providential moment. Mm -hmm. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, On these various states, as they come up, as you need support, 
or something happens and you want to report to us to let Mr. Producer Rich know. And now let the uh, general public know if they want to get involved in a voluntary movement, if they want to get involved in these states, if their states are, are red or marginally red or blue, uh, and they want to become activists, and if people want to donate to the cause, because this is a big cause. It's a very, very crucial cause during very grave times here. Where do they go? Go to conventionofstates.com, fill out the petition, and send that to your legislator. Importantly, click on the Take Action button and volunteer. Not enough just to fill out the petition. We need you guys in the fight. It doesn't take everybody. It just takes a few great patriots, and I know they're in your audience, Mark. All right, Mark. God bless you, my friend, and my best to your wife and all your volunteers. Same to you, Mark. God bless. Thank you very much. You too. See, folks, there's still things going on out there. You can't give up. You can't roll over. That's what they expect. Most of these people don't even know what Convention of States is. That's okay. I'm talking about the enemy. Now, speaking about the enemy, there's a guy out there by the name of Philly Bump. Philip Bump. He's a national correspondent. I don't know what that means. And he seems obsessed with yours truly. And he seems to be an obsessive liar. Washington Post. Just listen to this. A few repeating patterns have emerged over the past seven years. One is that Donald Trump does something that obviously crosses the understood boundaries of acceptable behavior. Causing some Republican officials and a chunk of Republican Party's base to step back and offer condemnation. Then after days or weeks or months of hollering from the party's far-right core, the majority decides that actually what Trump did was not a big deal. And by the way, far-right core tells you where his head's at. It is below his belt buckle. At times it even decides that what he did was actually good to do, a reflection of his unwavering honesty and so on. And this guy is obsessed. The second pattern often interlaces with the first. In it, any investigation into something that was done, usually by Trump or his allies, is cast as hopelessly partisan and dishonest, conducted by dishonest partisan actors toward partisan dishonest ends. What is a national correspondent? Isn't that supposed to be a reporter, Mr. Producer? In support of this idea, the right gets to work ginning up both reasons to play down what is being investigated and to cast aspersions at the investigators. If you need an example, here's a battery. Trump's comments about former Senator John McCain, the response to the Access Hollywood tape, Charlottesville, the Russia investigation, Trump's first impeachment, then, of course, there's the riot on Capitol Hill, January 6th. Now, let's look at these. John McCain. Doesn't mention Joe Biden's treatment of Bob Bork or Clarence Thomas. I mean, Donald Trump was not the driver, Chappaquiddick. The response to the Access Hollywood tape. Well, I don't know. What was the response to Tara Reid? None. Charlottesville. It's only been explained a thousand times. The actual transcript has been discussed syllable by syllable by yours truly. The Russia investigation. I'm shocked he would mention that. Since that is the biggest political hit job in American history. And Trump's first impeachment. Oh, what well, that would be Ukraine. I wonder who the president of Ukraine would like in the Oval Office tonight. 
This is one of those interlacing examples. Trump repeatedly insisted the 2020 election was stolen. Well, you guys repeatedly insisted the 2016, 2004, 2000 elections were stolen. Don't you remember that? He struggled to leverage federal resources to block Joe Biden's election. When did he do that? He urged his supporters to come to Washington on that day, promising a wild protest aimed at ensuring he got a second term in office. What's the insinuation there? He attacked Vice President Mike Pence for not trying to steal the election. No, he didn't attack him for not trying to steal the election, agree or disagree. What his point was, was that, hold on, I'm looking at this over here. Okay, his point was that uh, what the President of the Senate could do is send back uh, electors or refuse to count and present electors where there's controversies in the states. And what Philly Bump has never written about and discussed is the federal constitution and who gets to decide election changes. Why don't you write about that, Philly? But we move down to this. As those in the right-wing media universe were slowly turning their charged with violent crimes that day into martyrs, notoriously poor conditions at the jail where they were being held understood as a reality for years suddenly became evidence that those still being detained, a small fraction of those arrested, were being targeted for political punishment. He's never moved his fat ass to the jail to even take a look or to even investigate, ladies and gentlemen, because he's a national correspondent. A poll in July found that a quarter of Republicans approved of the rioters. And how many Democrats approved of Black Lives Matter? Backers held rallies in support of those who had been arrested, 75 of whom were charged with assault with a deadly weapon or with attacking law enforcement. That means 600 of whom were not. Now here we go. The reward mechanism in right-wing media is generally constructed to benefit more outrageous assertions. The person who offers the most virulent condemnation of the left wins the debate and is handed the louder megaphone. Now, I'll just mention me, not the other host. He'll have to discuss it himself. But this is why it's people like Mark Levin. Well, and they say Dan Bongino, who've seen their stars rise in the past five years. And it goes on. Now, Mr. Producer, has my star risen in the past five years? Haven't I been doing this for almost 20 years? This has been the number three show since after like the second or third year of my doing this. And then unfortunately, our Babe Ruth passed away. So this is the second biggest talk radio show in America. The second biggest conservative talk radio show in America. Period. In New York, there is no competition from 6 to 9 at night. And I can go down one major city after another, medium-sized city, and small community. I've written now nine books. The last seven of which have been first New York Times books. In my Fox show, finally I get some Fox executives to write and say, wow, those are terrific ratings. Sunday night up against unbelievable football games. Unbelievable football games. Buffalo and Kansas City. And there were others too. 
We had the highest rating Sunday night of cable news talk, of cable news. And the second highest on Fox. And I'm up against football. No, it's not the last five years, you slob. It's not the last five years, Philly. No wonder the Washington Compost hires you as its national correspondent. They like people who deceive, who spin with low IQs. You're a national correspondent. It's unbelievable. You shouldn't even be a weekly newspaper editor for the classifieds. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs, with the absolute best consumer service team, based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. regular listener, a couple of these long-form interviews on radio, because they're not done either. Typically, uh, when a broadcaster has a guest on, they do a quick segment, a hit and run, and they move on, and that's that. I've done that from time to time, too, but I also said, now, wait a minute. Some of these subjects and some of these individuals deserve a longer period of time, and they don't have to be authors. Maybe there's somebody with with, it's somebody with a really brilliant idea or somebody who is uh, who's an activist with, with stories to tell or whatever the situation. But in the next hour, we're going to have Peter Schweizer on the program. His book is Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. You have probably wondered and wondered, how does China get away with this stuff? Why is it that Donald Trump is the only recent president to stand up to them? Even when the Republicans control the House or the Senate. You know, in his prior book, Profiles in Corruption, you know, he had Mitch McConnell and the uh, family uh, that he's he's with and how they have all these ties to communist China and the freight system. In this book, he talks about Boehner and Pelosi. There you are. The Democrat speaker and the Republican speaker. And he's got brand new information on the Bidens. So you'll want to stick with us. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? 
This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 87. Don't leave. Stay with me. You're going to wish that you did if you don't. 877-381-3811 Peter Schweitzer is unique in modern America. He's a real reporter. A real reporter. He digs. He finds out information. It's not that he takes his time. He's very thorough. You can see at the back of this brand new book, Red Handed, which is number one on Amazon, the sources that he uses, I do the same thing. It's very important if you're an author to make these sources available to the reader, particularly when he's involved in this sort of thing. And this is a no-holds-bar book that exposes the ugly underbelly of the corporatists, of entertainment, of academia, of politics, of the media, and how communist China has made significant inroads in all these areas. Buying power and influence. And now it's come to a head. And he talks about the Bidens in the book. He talks about the Bush family. The Trudeau family. He talks about higher education and Wall Street. Capitol Hill and Silicon Valley. So we're not going to be able to cover all of it. But I want to cover some. That's for sure. The book is red-handed. Peter Schweitzer, how are you, my friend? I'm great, Mark. Always terrific to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. Let's uh, let's get into this. Um, and I want to begin. I'm trying to think of uh, with Capitol Hill. I think on chapter three. Let's start there, Capitol Hill, and let's start with Pelosi and Boehner and Feinstein at all. Go right ahead. Yeah, I mean, this has been a target uh, for the Chinese intelligence and uh, the Communist Party for a long time. And what they do is uh, they basically provide cash rewards in the form of business deals and consulting deals with politicians in the United States. So you take Dianne Feinstein, uh, senator, who was chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee uh, for many years. Her husband, Richard Blum, did hundreds of millions of dollars with deals in China, with state-backed companies. Um, and um, this was all going on while she was charting our foreign policy. And, and uh, as I quote in the book, um, she was very apologetic. She compared uh, 
the Tiananmen Square massacre, where uh, an estimated 10,000 uh, Chinese civilians were killed. Some of them were just run over with tanks. She compares that to Kent State uh, in the United States. Um, on other occasions, she said that China is more democratic and representative, uh, their dictatorship is, than the representative uh, uh, republic that we are in the United States. Um, and it kind of reached a crescendo at one point. Her husband was invested in a Chinese computer company that was selling computers to the U.S. military. And it turned out the U.S. Marine Corps discovered that there were bugs on these computers. So what you have is the chairman of the Center Foreign Relations Committee's spouse in business with the communist Chinese. And that company is selling bugged computer equipment to the United States military. Uh, you look at Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi, when she first got into Congress, was very critical of Beijing. In fact, she once had a protest on Tiananmen Square. She unfurled a banner about human rights. Uh, the Chinese police didn't like that. They confiscated it. Uh, but she has migrated towards a much more accommodating position towards China because her husband um, has had a series of financial deals involving China, and her son uh, has been very aggressively seeking deals in China. Um, just one sort of small point to illustrate it, Mark. Uh, in 2008, you remember uh, Beijing uh, had the Olympics, just like they're about to have here later this year. Pelosi was initially opposed to that and said we needed to boycott it. Then it turned out that her husband uh, actually had um, part ownership of two limousine companies that got contracts from the Chinese to transport VIPs around Beijing for the Olympics. She literally changed her position to saying, well, I'm not in favor of a boycott anymore. Uh, you look at former Speaker of the House, John Boehner. Um, when he was Speaker of the House, there were uh, several pieces of legislation that China did not want to pass. Uh, in one case, uh, the, a bill that was going to deal with Chinese currency manipulation, it passed through the Senate with a big bipartisan uh, coalition of Republicans and Democrats. Uh, it was then in the House where he was Speaker, uh, and a majority of Republicans and a more majority of Democrats supported the bill. He refused to allow it to uh, come up to a vote, uh, and the Chinese were very pleased. There was a lobbying firm, uh, Patton Boggs, that has for years, decades, represented the Chinese government as lobbyists. They were lobbying against that bill. And so when John Boehner steps down as Speaker of the House, he goes to work for the lobbying firm that continues to lobby for the Chinese mm -hmm. government. Mm -hmm. So he's a, he now a strategic advisor for, for that lobbying firm. Communist Chinese and pot. Uh, who would have thought? Um, <laughs> now, Peter Schweitzer, let, let me ask you this. There's been a lot. You know, we want Donald Trump's taxes. He came into the government as a self-made billionaire. Now you have these people who feed off government like parasites. Nobody, but as far as I know, but I, have been demanding the release of the Pelosi tax returns. Why do you think that is? They circle the wagon on Capitol. I guess none of them want to release their tax returns. You're, you're right. I mean, Mark, this is part of the problem on this issue, um, that this is a bipartisan problem um, with Pelosi. It's a problem with John Boehner. It's a problem with Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell's not going to call out, say, the Bidens on their dealings with the Chinese because his family has his own uh, sweetheart deal. Remind with us about that. 
Yeah, so in, in this particular case, Mitch McConnell is married, of course, to Elaine Chow, the, the transportation secretary in the Trump administration. Her family owns a shipping company called Foremost, um, and uh, the Chinese government are their biggest customers. Uh, in fact, not only are they the biggest customers for Mitch McConnell's family, the shipping company has all of its massive cargo ships built by the Chinese government. The, those, the construction of those ships is financed by the Chinese government, and the crews are all uh, Chinese nationals arranged by the Chinese government. Uh, and this is a business that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, and in fact, the uh, Chow family gave Mitch McConnell a gift of uh, up to $25 million um, that, that more than quadrupled uh, his net worth. So the question is, is, is Mitch McConnell, as the leader of the Republicans in the Senate, going to challenge the fact that the Bidens have a cozy commercial relationship uh, and these deep ties with Chinese intelligence? No, he's not going to call it out because it's going to draw attention to him. Um, Trump was different in this respect. I mean, this is the thing that I say to people who you know don't even like Donald Trump. He's really the first president uh, really in, in more than a generation. You have to go back to Ronald Reagan who really reconstituted American foreign policy. And with regards to China, he completely changed the conversation in a positive way. And this, this old idea that if we just trade with the Chinese, if we give them access to our technology, they're going to become more like us. No. In fact, what's happened in some respect, our institutions have become more like them. And Donald Trump has changed that debate, uh, and hopefully he has changed it for good. And could this be one of the main reasons why, and we'll, we'll talk about more of these entities, uh, why they kind of ganged up and they had as the uh, overlapping laser-like focus the destruction or the removal of Donald Trump because Congress, the Bush dynasty, the, uh, the corporatists, and on and on and on, and their love affair with the communist Chinese regime, whereas Donald Trump, as you point out, is the first to put his foot down. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that is absolutely a component of it. I mean, the central element of sort of a globalist world order, and by globalist world order, I mean I use the term the way you do. It's not it's not a loaded term. It's a simple description of the way they view international affairs, uh, which is that you need to think about it globally. You can't think about it as a uniquely as an American. And Donald Trump changed that equation, and it drove the Chinese government. Nuts. And, you know, what 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 people say is, well, you know, uh, Ivanka Trump had her shoes made in China, you know, for her for her fashion line. That's not the point. The, the problem is not, you know, a, a businessman or a businesswoman having shoes or, you know, some other product made in China. The problem is the Chinese identify American politicians who have not created significant wealth on their own. They're basically, you know, professional politicians and says, we're going to make them rich in a way that they could not become rich on their own. Uh, and when you look at Donald Trump, he is somebody who successfully built his global business by himself. So the attraction uh, for Beijing is for an ambitious politician who's willing to sort of do their bidding. Uh, and by doing their bidding, by the way, they don't have to walk in lockstep and they can criticize China for the Uyghurs from time to time. 
The bottom line is they have to make sure that Beijing gets access to American capital and gets access to American technology. That's the kind of person they're looking for, and they will get in business with them, and they will make them wealthy. The book is called Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich, Helping China Win. You can get it on Amazon.com as I speak. You can have it delivered to you tomorrow. You can have it on any major uh, retail bookstore. The book is out today. Oh, yes, it's brand new today. So uh, you're definitely going to want to read about this. It gets, it gets even beyond what we're going to be able to discuss tonight. Bill Gates, sports, LeBron James, and others. And uh, as he goes through this, uh, really a hot knife through butter. And you and your folks really do an unbelievable job. It's really, uh, uh, it, it is bulletproof. It is immune to these, to the usual kinds of attacks, which is why you're not going to be popular on most of these Sunday shows or news platform shows, because they don't want to hear about it, because they've thrown in too. When we come back, the Bushes, the Bidens, I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The book is red-handed. Peter Schweitzer is the uh, superb author of the book. It's number one on Amazon as I speak. Peter, tell us about the connections between the Bush dynasty and communist China. Yeah, this is a classic example, Mark, of, of how Beijing loves to form alliances with political families, multi-generational. And I have a chapter in the book about the Trudeau family in Canada and the Bushes. And the Bushes' uh, relationship with Beijing really began in the 1970s when George H.W. Bush was the U.S. representative uh, to China. Uh, he then became vice president under uh, the great president, Ronald Reagan. Um, and while he was vice president, his son, old, uh, sorry, his older brother, Prescott Bush, uh, started doing deals in Beijing, and he did deals with Chinese government officials. He helped build golf courses. He got involved in satellite companies. Um, and when, you, when Tiananmen Square hit, uh, George H.W. Bush was president, um, and Prescott lobbied him aggressively not to impose sanctions on Beijing because he had some very big deals going. And if you remember, uh, George H.W. Bush did not impose sanctions. Um, flash forward uh, through the 1990s, those relationships continued to grow. Then when George W. Bush became president, Prescott Bush continued to strike deals. But now a new generation of the family, Neil Bush, that would be George W. Bush's uh, younger brother, started lining up deals with the Chinese government, too. Um, he became a uh, consultant to a Chinese computer company that was owned by the son of the Chinese premier. Uh, they paid Neil Bush a million dollars a year while his brother was president of the United States. Uh, there's no evidence that Neil Bush knows anything about the computer business. Uh, and Neil Bush today uh, is very apologetic for the Beijing regime. He set up a, a Bush Center for the study of U.S.-Chinese relationships that's partly funded by uh, Chinese United Front groups, which are affiliated with the government. Uh, and he's a complete apologist. And we quote him in the book extensively, making excuses for human rights abuses, the international conduct of China. Um, and in addition to that, he's you know involved with five companies in Hong Kong or mainland China that are all paying him very, very well. So 
they love those kinds of relationships because that's the way political power is expressed in China through families and through multiple generations. It's really quite unbelievable. You've also revealed a lot more new information about the Biden family. One of the things you told me Sunday, which has grabbed the headlines and shocked me, was the extent of this. $31 million washed into the Biden family by the communist Chinese. Can you explain that to us? Yeah. um, So uh, the Biden family um, has a series of deals um, involving five uh, Chinese businessmen. Um, And what is troubling, Mark, is not just the 31 million, um, the fact that all five of the businessmen involved in those deals have ties to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. So, you know, we're not talking here so much anymore just about corruption. Um, we're talking about compromise. We're talking about uh, uh, people who, you know, I would argue um, are under the thumb or under the influence of China because of that relationship. Uh, one of those is a deal uh, valued around $20 million uh, that is this private equity fund where uh, he was put on the board of directors, meaning Hunter Biden. Um, he, his uh, valuation from that is $20 million. That deal was put together um, by two businessmen, one named Che Feng, who at the time he arranged this for Hunter Biden, was business partners with the vice minister of the Ministry for State Security in China. This is the individual. His name was Ma Jian, who's responsible for foreign intelligence recruitment. Why that didn't set off alarm bells, who knows? The other businessman involved in that deal, he also transferred another $5 million to another one of Hunter's businesses, uh, is a guy named Mr. Zhao. Mr. Zhao um, was business partners with the daughter of the former Minister of State Security. This is the person in charge of the entire sp- uh, spy apparatus in China. Um, then finally, there's another $6 million that comes from uh, a gentleman named Yi. Um, he uh, sends Hunter Biden and James Biden, Joe Biden's brother, uh, $6 million. Um, Yi is very interesting because his company called CEFC uh, was housed at the time in a section of China that is controlled by the Chinese military. And Mr. Yi had been the head of a united front group that is funded by the People's Liberation Army of China uh, mm-hmm. before he started this company. So very troubling relationships. The other thing to add, Mark, real quick, is that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden have blurred finances. So even though it's Hunter Biden that takes this money in, there's lots of evidence we present in the book that Joe Biden himself personally benefited because money flowed to Joe Biden during this time, too. This is just uh, amazing. And yet you see the multiple homes Joe Biden has. He's got a very large home uh, on the ocean in Delaware. And yes, Delaware does have some beachfront, Rehoboth and uh, Bethany and so forth. He's got a very large home in the Wilmington, Delaware area. He owns other properties and so forth. And this is a man who went in the Senate without two nickels to rub together. And uh, he's been there his entire life. He had two years where he gave speeches and so forth. But, but he acquires this wealth. And I want to underscore with you when we come back. Hunter Biden, he's making a lot of money. How exactly did Joe Biden benefit from that? We'll be right back.
listening to Denali, the great one. The great one. And you can call in now, 877-381-3811. We're back with Peter Schweitzer. The book is Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich, Helping China Win. Now, Joe Biden, how is Joe Biden making all this money, Peter? It's a great question, Mark. Uh, and you have to give the Bidens credit. Uh, they're pretty clever about it. Um, you know, if you go through the Hunter Biden laptop, as we have, you find a couple of things. First, you find Hunter Biden complaining to other family members uh, that he's having to give half his income to pop. Um, now, you could say, well, you know, maybe Hunter's just exaggerating. Maybe he's just But the problem is when you start going through the financials, you see all kinds of evidence of Hunter Biden paying the bills for his father while his father is vice president. Um, You know, you see him paying rudimentary things like a three hundred dollar phone bill, which is kind of a back channel private phone line that Joe Biden has. You find Hunter Biden uh, paying for repairs on uh, the beautiful mansion that Joe Biden has uh, up in Delaware. Uh, He's paying contractors, et cetera. There's communications about trucks, about vehicles. Um, And what's important here, Mark, is that, you know, it's not if you look at the ethics laws, it's not legal for family members to do this. You can you can give an occasional gift. You know, your your father's a senator and you're you're their kid. You can give them a, a, you know, a suit and tie or you can buy them something nice for Christmas. It is illegal to subsidize the lifestyle of politicians in the United States. And that's exactly what Hunter Biden was doing. So, you know, it's interesting. Uh, in, in a way, I came away f- with this with, with a, a little sympathy for Hunter Biden, because I think part of the reason he is seeking all these deals is he's expected to bring in family for the money. Mm. He's paying the bills for his father, and he's transferring money to James Biden, who is Joe Biden's brother. So that's how Joe Biden is benefiting from the activities that Hunter Biden was carrying out in China and elsewhere. And he was a partner in many senses, right? You, you point out that Absolutely. you found that in the emails. Yeah, exactly. So you find that when Hunter needs to bring uh, 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 Chinese friends or associates or whatever you want to call them, uh, clients, government officials, uh, and he needs to get into the Obama White House, um, he makes it happen. And we found uh, instances where uh, Chinese government officials came into the White House for a series of meetings. Uh, the White House visitor logs do not reflect any meeting with Joe Biden. But when you go back and look at the Chinese websites of these officials, they report that they met with Joe Biden. So what you see here is a series of off the books meetings that Joe Biden is having with his son's business partners, friends, or government officials that are closely connected. Mm-hmm. The other thing to add, Mark, is that Hunter Biden um, does something very strange in 2014. He's doing all these deals in China, connected with all these businessmen who are linked to Chinese intelligence. He goes to the U.S. Um, Secret Service and says, I do not want protection when I travel overseas. I don't want anybody traveling with me, uh, which should be a huge red flag. And the reason is, of course, he didn't want the Secret Service to know what he was doing, where he was going. He didn't want the federal government to know who he was doing business with. So all of this cries out, cries out for investigation by 
uh, the FBI, by congressional committees, etc. This is absolutely incredible. Uh, we used to rely on major publications to do this kind of digging, even if they were liberal. Um, right. Or these magazine shows like 60 Minutes, and they certainly would take a book like yours and interview you and go through this stuff and see if it's accurate. You don't even get that kind of attention, do you? You lay it out here. It's just like Hunter Biden's laptop. It's handed, basically, to the media, and other than the New York Post, they censor it, and big tech uh, rejects it. It's, It's just shocking, is it not? It is. And look, I say this, Mark, as somebody who uh, has done two stories with 60 Minutes uh, on CBS, Mm -hmm. where I was the person that brought the material. I've been there, but the media has really changed. It has really shifted. Those were stories in the, the early 2010s. And what you see in the media is increasingly they don't view themselves as uh, uh, institutions designed to convey information so the public can make up their own mind. Uh, they feel it's their responsibility to pick and choose um, what people are exposed to and what people are supposed to think. And part of the problem with big tech, especially as it relates to this subject, is the biggest names in big tech are neck deep with Beijing. Uh, they help them with, with technological research that enhances the Chinese military. They, they praise the regime. Uh, it, it's really the most powerful people in the tech world, in government, and on Wall Street uh, are, are doing the bidding for Beijing. And it's out in the open, and, and nobody's paid attention to it until this book. Well, let's keep rolling here. LeBron James. LeBron James is uh, obviously a uh, iconic basketball player, but he's out there trashing Republicans, trashing the Georgia legislature, trashing... Um, President Trump, uh, he is uh, eyeball high with the communist Chinese, isn't he? He is absolutely, Mark. I mean, people are probably familiar with the, uh, you know, the Houston Rockets general manager who tweeted something about Hong Kong and and uh, got fired, uh, and LeBron James criticized him. Um, that that's probably the most well known. But actually, LeBron James has a very long history. Uh, of being um, a silent when it comes to China. And the reason is because he not only has the deal with Nike, and Nike does a lot of business in China, he's got a series of other deals. People don't realize he has a line of shoes that are released only in China. Um, he's got uh, lines of shoes that are released in the United States, but they first get a release to the, to the elite in China. Wow. Uh, this is a concentrated market for LeBron James. Uh, when he does media projects and films, he has partnerships with the Chinese state media that distributes his media products in China. And what this means is for a long time, uh, he has brushed away and ignored Chinese uh, human rights violations. Uh, Mark, you probably remember this is, you know, 12, 15 years ago, the crisis in Darfur in Sudan, mm-hmm. where black Christians in the south of the of the country were being massacred by uh, those from the Arabic north. And the government was slaughtering hundreds of thousands of, of black Africans. Well, this was going on, and there was a petition launched in the NBA to get players to sign on. And it became a big movement on all the teams. On the Cleveland Cavaliers, where LeBron James was at the time, there were only two people that refused to sign a petition condemning Darfur, because the Chinese government was backing 
the Sudanese government, and this petition called out the Chinese government. One of them was a was a, a backbencher on the on the Cleveland Cavaliers who had a shoe contract with a Chinese company. The other one was LeBron James. So for LeBron James to refuse to call out the Chinese government for backing the massacre of an estimated two hundred thousand Africans is stunning, and it speaks to me to the fact that. For LeBron James, those black lives apparently didn't matter. And it shows how inconsistent this man is. It's all about money. It's all about market access to China. uh, And he is sympathetic to the regime. Why don't they expose him at ESPN? It's amazing to me. You have all these former players, all these guys that have been uh, broadcasting for decades, writing, you know, uh, uh, sports columns and so forth, uh, they're down for the revolution, many of them, you know, uh, systemic this and systemic that. And the guy they get behind and praise all the time is, a, is worse than a hypocrite. He gives aid and comfort to, uh, to a regime in communist China that practices real-time slavery, torture, rape, and brutal murder. It's incredible to me. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the problem is, of course, ESPN is owned by ABC. Um, ABC is owned by Disney. Disney has all kinds of commercial interests in China. You have these corporations that quake in their boots um, and do the bidding of Beijing because they want this market access, uh, and they don't care of the of the implications. You know, we, we talked about this on Sunday on your show mm-hmm. uh, about corporations and executives used to have a sense of they were American companies and they had a responsibility beyond just their businesses and doing business overseas. That is completely gone. And you're not going to get uh, executives from major corporations to say anything critical of China. They're going to look the other way. And in fact, a lot of them in Silicon Valley are going to do joint projects with the Chinese government that end up strengthening that regime so they can challenge American military might. It's, it's, it's just shocking and uh, frankly disgusting. You know, believe me when I tell you, Peter, then I'm sorry this interview has to come to an end. Uh, there's so much more in this book. Folks, you're going to have to read it. And that's a good thing. Or you can get the audio or however you wish to do it. It's number one on Amazon for a reason. I'm going to strongly encourage you to grab a copy of this. If you want to know why there is so much corruption in this government, if you want to know why China's gotten away with what China's gotten away with, read the book. Read the book. They've taken the time to go through it. And we've got to know who is who now. And Peter helps us do it. Peter Schweitzer, the book is Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich, Helping China Win. You can get it on Amazon.com right now. It's there at number one or any reputable retail store. Thank you, my friend. Excellent job. Thanks so much, Mark. Always enjoy it. All right. Take care of yourself. He's a national treasure, just like uh, James O'Keefe. This is very, very, very important book. I'm telling you. And uh, many of you actually did watch it Sunday night. Despite football, Mr. Producer, we had approximate, we had a, a audience share of almost 1.7 million, which is massive when we're up against football. Uh, the second highest on Fox on Sunday, including shows that weren't up against football. And I cannot tell you how blessed I am to have you folks out there. You care about your country. And you can walk and chew gum at the same time. You can DVR and watch things live at the same, you know, at the same time. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
Ron in Albee, Virginia. I know where that is, right next to Middleburg, uh, on the great WMAL. How are you? Hey, Greg. Good evening, sir. Thanks for taking my call. I'm unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, a regular person. Uh, No, that's a good thing, but we're always looking for the hostiles. They're more fun sometimes, yes, sir. Uh, First of all, with Mr. Schweitzer, uh, his comments and your comments subsequent to his made me think of an interesting quote that you never hear, and that is, we should be much more fearful of of politicians who become millionaires and millionaires that become politicians. I think, uh, what I wanted think to that's talk right. About was COVID. I wanted to go back to that real quickly. I'm a retired military physician, yeah. and I've been watching the numbers over the course of the last several months. And last night went to the Johns Hopkins and the, and the CDC website where they keep running tallies of cases mm-hmm. and deaths, just like CNN did when Trump was the president. And if you do the simple, you know, there's three kinds of people in the world, those that are good at math and those that aren't. If you do the very simple math and do deaths divided by cases on both websites, the current quote-unquote mortality rate is 1.2%, about the same as the flu. Furthermore, if you go to the Johns Hopkins website, they're keeping a 28-day tally, and when you do that same math, the death rate, mortality rate, whatever you want to call it, is currently at about one-quarter of a percent. So these are, these are numbers that are, that are public. We're very well, very easily accessible. What you're, what you're saying is we're effectively through the hard part of this virus. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 1,000%. Mm-hmm. And, I think you're 100% right. Anyone talk about it, and it's, 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 I think it's a very clear indication. Yes, there are more cases, but as Dr. Fauci said, they're mostly Omicron, which clearly indicates that, or, or the numbers clearly indicate that it's much less uh, lethal, while it may be more contagious, much less lethal. Therefore, you know. Therefore, why, so why what? Normal, right? Because so why not go that, back that, to? So why? So why do they keep pushing vaccines still and masks? I don't get it. Uh, because it deflects from discussions on the economy, discussions exactly. on China, and whatever else Brandon doesn't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're 100 percent correct. All right, my friend, and thank you for your service. Appreciate that. All right, Mr. Producer. What is that? All right, who do we have there? Where in Florida? It's a big state. Okay, where in Florida? Jack, Tampa, Florida. How are you, Jack? Mark, I'm freezing cold in the rain. Go right ahead, my friend. Can you hear me? Mm Mm-hmm. Hello? Yes, sir. Go. Hello. Okay. Uh, I'm freezing cold in the rain, but I've been trying to get through to you for some time. But you, two weeks ago, I think, were mentioning how people were going to be talking about how all these countries are thousands of miles away and no strategic interest and so forth. But the real common denominator to me between Afghan, uh, Afghanistan. Quickly, you got 10 seconds. uh, Okay. Is. What's America's word worth? Something That's quite might- true, too, isn't it? Absolutely. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And I want to thank all of you wonderful, wonderful patriots. We'll do this again tomorrow. Please join me. I'll see you then.